presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Arizona's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Common Sense Institute podcast. I'm your host, Earl Wright, Chairman of CSI Board of Directors. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Arizona's sports and tourism sector. This was a big year for Arizona with hosting the Super Bowl and the Phoenix Waste Management Open during the first two weeks of February. But even beyond the big events in 2023, Arizona has numerous other attractions in their sport and tourism sector that make it a successful industry throughout the state and all year round. Lately, the Common Sense Institute of Arizona has been delving into the crucial issues in the state and bringing to light the statewide economic impact of these sectors. Joining me today to discuss the sports and tourism sector in Arizona is Kim Sabo, a member of the Board of Directors at Common Sense Institute Arizona. Kim serves as the President and CEO of Arizona Lodging and Tourism Association. She leads <laughs> the advocacy and communication collaboration education efforts for one of the state's leading industries. Prior to joining the Tourism Association, she served as Governor Doug Ducey's Director of International Affairs and as Executive Director of Arizona Mexico Commission. And in that capacity, Kim worked to advance Arizona's position in the global arena through enhanced international economic and protocol efforts, as well as educational community collaborations. Kim, it's great to have you on the show today. Earl, thank you so much for having me. It's my honor and my pleasure. Well, I could have gone on and on, Kim, but let's get to the question about what's going on in Arizona. And as president and CEO of Lodging and Tourism Association, can you tell us and the podcast participants how Arizona prepared for these major events like the Super Bowl? Absolutely. I think that Arizona is in a great position having the benefit of experience. So this uh, most recent Super Bowl was the fourth that we've hosted. So we've got a great track record of experience, community engagement, volunteerism, and the state coming together holistically to pull off these mega events. Let me ask you a little bit about experience. Do you have a, a certain commission set up or do you have a certain group of people that when you have a major event like this, uh, that they're seasoned and you just go to them and you know things will be run well? How does that work? I have to give full credit and shout out to the Super Bowl host committee for the Super Bowl in particular, led by um, President and CEO Jay Perry. She did a phenomenal job in really leading this effort and brought together stakeholders from the business community and the community at large to, again, host a very successful Super Bowl. Well, credit to to uh, the Super Bowl host committee and then obviously all the partners for coming together to pull this off. Well, you mentioned you had four of the Super Bowls. Are there people that have been involved in the previous three? They'll pull together a host committee each each time uh, to lead the effort. The previous Super Bowl was also led by Jay. So again, she's got a fantastic track record and has been a great leader. Well, experience helps. It sounds like that you all are in a unique place with regards to sports in this sector. In your opinion, what makes Arizona stand out in sports and tourism? It seems unusual to have so many people visit the state just to participate in the sports. As was recently highlighted in a phenomenal study put out by Common Sense Institute, Arizona is a sports tourism mecca. 
uh, year over year, in addition to the mega event that you just referenced, Super Bowl, we host many mega events year over year. Waste Management Phoenix Open. We've got Barrett Jackson. We've got Cactus League Spring Training. So we've got these phenomenal events. Cactus League Spring Training, only Arizona and Florida host spring training. So we're really in a great position to court visitors at a time when the rest of the country is quite chilly. We've got uh, typically beautiful weather during springtime, spring break. So we really benefit from Cactus League extensively. We know Phoenix is a prime spot for sports lovers, but what about other kinds of tourism? One of the points that the report tries to make, the state tourism industry is a major annual contributor. What does tourism in Arizona look like when there aren't major events going on? Well, I'd say that Arizona is a year-round destination, and we offer everything from world-class resorts to world-class golf courses. We've got the beautiful Grand Canyon. We've got the Red Rocks of Sedona. Uh, we've got wine country and then beautiful offerings in Southern Arizona as well. So in addition to sports tourism, we just have so many differing options for our visitors. And again, the climate is ideal. You, you look around the country right now and they're in the grips of cold weather and we are a, a world-class and perfect destination to come to get out in the sun and enjoy the warm spring weather. Well, I, you had mentioned sports and I'm kind of, uh... One of those folks that follow sports and and I follow your Phoenix Suns, I follow your Diamondbacks, and I follow your Cardinals. But you know, you got spring training and it is spring and it is ready to baseball is ready to get launched. And the uh, Phoenix metro area seems to get the benefit of all of that. But what about the rest of the state? Is are the sports, uh, the tourism sector just focused on Phoenix, or does the rest of the state get the benefit of? Uh, all these incredible teams and sports and the, and the, uh, and the amazing uh, scenery and outdoors that you have. Well, again, I'd like, I'd like to highlight the fact that only Arizona and Florida benefit from spring training. We've got 15 major league baseball organizations that come to Arizona to participate in spring training, which is a huge economic benefit and has a huge economic impact to the state. But not just Metro Phoenix benefits, the rest of the state benefits. I saw a recent study put out from ASU that cites six in 10 visitors that come specifically for spring training. A third of those actually tack on days and visit other parts of the state. So it has a ripple effect that really benefits all of Arizona. I'm gonna push a little bit harder, but that sounds great for Phoenix and the Phoenix area. Do you have uh, you know, southern part of the state? Uh, do you have people coming in from the southern part of the state to work in Phoenix? Or do you have a mobility of your uh, of your labor force that's getting the benefit of uh, of spring training and these, uh, these sports events in Phoenix? Again, we've got teams that practice in Mesa, Peoria, Goodyear. So all throughout Metro Phoenix, but again, six out of 10 visitors that come here to Arizona for spring training, the six of 10, a third of those sites wow. that they travel to destinations throughout Arizona. Okay. So they come for spring training and then they add on visits to the Grand Canyon, to Sedona, to Tucson. So again, it's a ripple effect that impacts greater Got Arizona. It. 
Got it. I noted when I went through the uh, the ownership of your uh, various uh, sport sports teams. You know, you've got a new owner uh, with regards to uh, the Phoenix Suns, but other than that, you have some pretty stable ownership. Uh, are they significant members of the of the uh, community, the business community in uh, Arizona? They sure are. They are all tremendous leaders, all engaged with AZLTA and. Um, just they've been great for the state. Very, very excited to get to know the new owners of the Suns. Um, also, uh, Kevin Durant, the, the newest uh, acquisition for the Suns. So we just we need to get him well, get him out on the court. But yes, all four of our major league um, sports teams are great uh, contributors to the community and and everything that that Arizona stands for. And one thing I want to point out, Earl, that's that's interesting is that throughout the country, there are only 13 states that host all four major league uh, sporting franchises, if you will. So pretty, pretty unique that we're one of 13. That's such a strong franchise. It seems like you have um, a formula that others would want to try to copy. And how do you see other states trying to compete with Arizona or can they, because of the uniqueness of your position and your and your where you're located? Well, I say that we are very, very fortunate to have the unbelievable climate that we have, and again, the beautiful outdoor spaces, world class resorts. So, as much as other destinations would like to compete with us, uh, we do have a leg up in a number of categories. But having said that, Earl, the competition is still fierce. Uh, we are competing for visitors, for events, for conventions with destinations across the country. So, um, you know, with the amazing assets, natural assets that we have, we can't rest on our laurels and we have to continually promote and market uh, Arizona as a destination and try and get these groups and visitors to consider Arizona when they're looking to travel. Do you have anything uh, in Arizona that's on the uh, on the board for planning that is going to maybe in the next five or six years going to make Arizona even more special than they are, uh, be it resorts or be it sports venue or anything like that? Well, we have several, but uh, one thing I will point out is that in 2024, we will play host to the NCAA men's final four basketball tournament. So that's exciting. On the heels of Super Bowl, we go straight into hosting the final four. Um, that's going to be a, a big economic impact for the state. And then in addition to that, we just landed Semicon West, a huge national, international conference, actually, that was housed and hosted in San Francisco for many, many years. Arizona just landed that. So that's going to be great for us. And then as far as hotels and resorts, we've got a gorgeous world-class project going on immediately adjacent to Cardinal Stadium. Um, it's a company, VAI, that uh, is building a phenomenal hotel, amusement park, lagoon, concert venue. It's uh, it's one of a kind, and it's going in, like I said, immediately adjacent to the Cardinal Stadium, and um, that's going to be very, very exciting and a great addition to to our uh, tourism community. Well, I, I would say good luck to anybody who's trying to catch up with you. It sounds like <laughs> you've got some. You've got not only not only a track record, as they say, in investments, 
it's a, you've also got a great game plan going forward. So it sounds exciting. Hey, let's switch to Glenn. Glenn, you've done some uh, numbers analysis here, and uh, you're former Arizona chief economist, current Common Sense Institute director of policy and research. Glenn, you've authored and published an in-depth economic report on Arizona's sports and tourism sector. And Glenn is Glenn Farley, for those of you that haven't had a chance to listen to him or hear him before. Glenn, Kim has talked about the impact of these major sports events and the whole industry uh, that you have in the state. Uh, and in your report, it seems like this is a huge part of Arizona's economy. In fact, Kim mentioned that. Could you please elaborate on what the facts and data are telling us about the sports and tourism sector throughout Arizona? Well, absolutely, Earl, and thanks again for, for having me back. I'm really blessed to have a board of directors that's so knowledgeable in many of these subjects, whether it was Lisa Keegan previously on talking with us about education policy or now Kim Sabo able to help and assist me with talking about sports and tourism. But one of the things that was striking for me in producing this report about the sector was its performance during the pandemic specifically. You know, we all know that during 2020, not just in Arizona, but nationwide, there were some heavy restrictions placed on activity, particularly in, in uh, what we might call the sports, tourism, or leisure and hospitality sectors. And those sectors collapsed, output basically collapsed for six months, nine months, a year. But what happened in Arizona specifically was the sector rebounded extremely quickly, and it didn't have to. We know there are states, whether it's California, New York, Hawaii, where the sector has not recovered as quickly and remained relatively stagnant. Here in Arizona, we were able to recover quickly. The other thing that's striking is prior to 2020, the sector as a share of Arizona's economy was sort of shrinking, right? The sector was becoming smaller over time relative to, to uh, the rest of the Arizona economy. That trend has since flipped. So after bouncing back after 2020, it started to grow faster than the economy as a whole between about 2022 and 2023. And based on the trends that I saw in this paper, it's going to continue growing faster than the economy as a whole over the next decade. So we've actually kind of shifted from sports and tourism becoming less uh, important over time as a share of the total economy to the reverse, where it's sort of going to grow larger over time as a share of the the overall Arizona economy. So those were the more, some of the more striking facts that came out of producing this report. Boy, that, that's really interesting. Glenn, I have to uh, ask you, what was happening before uh, 2020 that was causing the sports uh, industry to maybe uh, not have the vibrancy that it currently has? Well, it's interesting. I'd say it's less about, uh, that trend was less about that sector specifically and more about just the Arizona growth tail itself. Go back even yes. further, right? Agriculture used to be, uh, half of Arizona's economy. Today it's, it's, oh, I don't even know, three, five percent, right? You go back 30 years ago, maybe the recreation, sports and tourism was 20% of Arizona's economy and then it trail, fell to about five, six percent. Now we're growing again, right? So it's, it's more just about kind of that dynamic shift over time. Um, the more interesting question is why the reversal after 2020? And I think that's one that we won't have solid answers to for many, many years. But part of it's probably just competition. If you can't recreate the way you used to in a California or a New York or Hawaii, you know, the tourists and the businesses are going to go to where they can. And maybe that's in Arizona or Florida. Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, the other thing you mentioned which caught my attention was um, – they came back strong after the pandemic. Uh, the, the, I think that the logical question is how were they able to sustain themselves financially? Because some, you know, some uh, communities really are, are, are still reeling from the uh, 
the shutdown, but you're saying they came back very strong. How did the sports teams uh, and tourism come back so strong? It was their financial resources. What was it? Well, that is uh, a good question. And the answer is probably multifaceted in aggregate. And I should should stress this. That's, that's really, they came back strong in aggregate, but within the sector, unfortunately you had winners and losers. So there, there are some folks that couldn't weather the storm, frankly, um, restaurants, hotels, uh, tourism activities that, that didn't survive. There are others that did and, uh, and were able to grow stronger for it. So, so, um, it was definitely a mixed bag, but, uh, again, what was striking was how quickly it was able to recover and how that recovery is kind of sustained. It wasn't just rapid recovery and then a return to trend growth, right? It's, it's sustained at a three plus percent growth rate since the pandemic versus, you know, a 2% growth rate prior to the pandemic. So it's it. small, but over time it adds up. Got it. But, you know, you, it, oftentimes people ask the question, wait a minute, are you just talking about the Phoenix Suns and their, their impact or what do you, what do you throw into the sports and tourism sector? Is it just major sporting events uh, and games played throughout the year, or does it include things uh, like the Grand Canyon, which I think Kim was kind of referring to uh, when people come down to spring training and how they spend some more of their time in Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. This is, I think, the value out of our report. It's lots of folks were talking about the impact of the Super Bowl specifically, and there's always a lot of impetus to discuss these major headline events. But I think what gets lost in that conversation is that this is a base part of the Arizona economy. And, and if it were just highly dependent on a Super Bowl or a, a, a waste management open, you'd expect to see a lot of volatility. You'd expect the activity and the jobs to go away. And the answer is they don't. There's not that much volatility. It's persistently there. Kim called it a year-round sector, and it is uh, a year-round sector. And that's driven by, by the things that don't come and go. The, the things we don't talk about every four years or so when we get a Super Bowl, and that's the Grand Canyon, the national parks, the national forests, the resorts in Scottsdale, things like that. It's a, a beautiful state and you've got a lot going for it, but there's some insights on what this means for the part that this sector in the Phoenix metro area. But uh, as I tried to discuss with Kim a little bit, uh, how does this uh, beyond Phoenix impact economically the rest of the state? If I'm in uh, you know, Poro University of Arizona down there, you know, wanting some attention from all these people coming in. How do they get that attention, if at all? Yeah, great question. And this is, I think intuitively, we all kind of know that there's tourism towns in Arizona and the United States, right? But it still seems to surprise folks when I mention this fact from the paper, and that is as big as this industry is in, in Maricopa County, particularly, but also to a lesser extent in, in Pima County, it's still disproportionately more impactful in rural Arizona. So that's outside of Phoenix and outside of Tucson, right? So so to put it concretely, to give you some numbers, about 12% of the state's workforce is in the sports and tourism industry. Outside of Maricopa and Pima counties, though, it's 16% of the state's workforce. Inside our core urban counties, it's more like 10% of the state's workforce. So if you're looking so it's, at- it's, it's, it's disproportional. It's disproportionate exactly. benefit the, uh, the rural areas. I would have never thought that. That's interesting. And so you, again, to, to reiterate kind of a point I made on the prior question, but still relevant, you've got, you know, Flagstaff and Sedona are known as tourism destinations, both in Coconino County, a very small, very rural county. And, and so it's sort of a lifeblood for that county. Can I jump in on that? I just want to add one, one interesting factoid that tourism is the only 
sector to positively economically impact all 15 Arizona counties. So it is indeed the lifeblood of a lot of uh, our small, smaller rural communities. Very, very important to them. Well, but you certainly made that point. And, and Kim, just to follow up a little bit um, on a previous question and comment uh, you made answer, I know the policymakers you know, in any state are looking to uh, strengthen the economy. Is there anything, in your opinion, the state can do moving forward to ensure the continual growth of this industry? <laughs> You've explained a, a pretty powerful uh, presence and also powerful future, but anything more that you think the state can do to assure, ensure its growth in this area? Absolutely, and thank you for asking. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Um, you know, it is such an important industry for Arizona, and I think I can say this as a third-generation native Arizonan. You know, I think, unfortunately, sometimes we take our climate and our surroundings, world-class resorts, all of this for granted. As the voice of advocacy for the industry, AZLTA works day in and day out to shine a light on the important economic engine that this industry is. Quite frankly, we are the front door to economic development. When you have companies from around the globe looking to expand or relocate, they visit first. So we're on the front lines. We leave the first, we're the first impression. We're here to host them, welcome them. You know, like I say, we are the front door to economic development. So very, very important to, to go on with regard to policymakers. We're constantly trying to tell that story, the return on investment from this industry. Year over year, one of our top priorities is to advocate for increased investment in tourism promotion. So that again, as we uh, spoke about earlier, we are competing with destinations across the country for the very important visitor for that conference, for that event. And just like with anything, when you want to garner the market share, you've got to market yourselves. And even though we've got this amazing climate and all of these assets, we still have to be out there front and center marketing ourselves as that destination. You're taking nothing for granted. No, nothing. <laughs> Glenn, I, I, I want to refer to your report and then push you a little bit on uh, the subject of uh, natural resources supporting the growth you're talking about. Your study, uh, conduct, you conducted a study on sports and tourism sector just in anticipation of the Super Bowl. Uh, it found that this sector employs 11% of the state's workforce and contributes $24.2 billion to Arizona's GDP. But Glenn, uh, and what about the future? You've got a water issue uh, with regards to Arizona. Uh, agriculture uh, used to be half, as you said, of, uh, of your uh, economy. Economy, it's shrinking, and for obvious reasons. Uh, and and how about this area of growth opportunity relative to the resource uh, shortage that you may have in water? Is it something where you're going to have to find more water, or is this actually a, a nice way of conserving conserving water? Well, I love Earl that you brought water into this right on the heel of uh, we got unseasonably late rain yesterday that was flooding parts of northern Arizona, and we're coming off of the wettest winter season that I think we've had in many many years. And you're going to tell me you captured it all? Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> we uh, you know I won't speak for the experts at SRP, but I assume they're doing their best. But 
What's striking about the water story that I wish we had more time to talk about, maybe we will in the future, is how in one year or two years, a story can change so dramatically. You know, we went from the reservoirs at 50% full three years ago to, I saw today, SRP's reservoirs are at 95, 99, some even over 100% full. So I think I think the water story is changing rapidly and that bodes well for Arizona's growth prospects. And And like I alluded to, you were right on the money about the sector pre-2020. What seems to have changed since 2020 is those fortunes have reversed and it's back to becoming kind of a hot sector, a growth sector. And uh, uh, at least based on the modeling that we're seeing, that's going to continue over the next 10 years. And I think it's an open question why, you know, whether it's it's water, whether it's other states. Uh, but but yeah, certainly this is going to remain, like Kim said, a hot sector for the next couple of years, at least. Okay, but I but I, I want to go back to my question. I understand you had record rain, you got your reservoirs up, but who knows how long those reservoirs will stay full. But we all know that we in the West we have an issue with water. And is the tourism industry a, a better use of water than having it go into agriculture, or is it replacing uh, uh, other areas that uh, are are higher water usage? Or is it just hey we've uh, we've got it now, we'll use it and, and hope for the best in the future? Great question. Uh, and frankly, I don't know that I'm well equipped to answer that. Kim may have better answers for you. What I can tell you, Earl, is that most water use is in agriculture. That is true. Um, commercial use is a distant second, followed by residential use, and that commercial is split amongst all sectors. So I suspect, you know, when you aggregate it all up, the tourism industry isn't a particularly large user, uh, but it's still certainly a marginal user. So that's not to say that it it, it uh, isn't relevant to this discussion. And just to jump in on that, Earl, I will say that the hospitality industry, travel and tourism, we are great stewards of the water. I, I know that, for example, our, a lot of our members and businesses have really implemented some rigorous sustainability measures uh, to uh, conserve water, um, all sorts of policies at our different businesses to ensure that we're doing our part with regard to sustainability, particularly related to water. I've had a chance to read some studies up here in Colorado and some things with regards to Arizona. And I am well aware that you that the tourism industry is, if you're gonna to have to use water one way or another, it's, it's actually a much more efficient way to use water to support the economy than agriculture is. And uh, you guys have been doing that. I, I compliment you on your your farsightedness, which leads to the the next question is for for both of you, if you if you don't mind, uh, is there anything that lawmakers can do to uh, help grow the the industry and uh, uh, provide the Arizona communities uh, with the space that they need to grow the industry? And it's a great opportunity to again beat my drum of increased investment in tourism promotion. The return on investment is undeniable. And I've seen a number of figures, the most conservative being for every dollar invested in tourism promotion, it yields a $10 return. I've also seen numbers going quite a bit higher than that, but I'm just gonna use that as a conservative estimate. So when lawmakers are sort of deciding where to allocate state, precious state resources, it would seem to make sense to invest in something that's yielding a fantastic return. Um, and that's this industry. Um, you look comparatively speaking at destinations across the country, and we are, I can't give you an exact number, but we are 
on the lower mid to lower end of um, our state legislature investing in tourism promotion. And again, year over year, AZLTA is out front shining a light on the importance of investing in this sector and showing what the return is. And again, compliments to Glenn and the study that CSI put out because it shines this beautiful spotlight on sports tourism and this amazing opportunity that the state is currently leveraging to benefit our economies, which benefit our citizens, our households, our communities, the quality of life. It's just a ripple effect. Again, it's it's just a, a core industry that really needs to be fostered and invested in and grown for the benefit of the greater good. From your perspective, Glenn, um, is there anything you'd like to see in public policy that the lawmakers could do? And I don't mean necessarily more money, but although that wouldn't, but that's, that could possibly help, as Kim said. But maybe maybe just some public policy uh, issues on zoning and and or uh, land use that might help this sector. Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Just just to kind of build on what Kim said, the other thing I'd encourage them to do is be aware of and look to past success. You know, the policy choices that Arizona has made over the past eight to ten years have clearly worked, not just in this sector, but for the economy as a whole, our manufacturing sector, our uh, education space, healthcare sectors, and our leisure and hospitality sectors. So we should look to those policies and learn the lessons. Why is sports and tourism bouncing back in Arizona and why is it not bouncing back in Hawaii, right? And adopt policies that work. And I think those policies need to walk a balance. You alluded to the water issue. So there's a natural resource issue, right? The state needs to protect its health and its beauty in order to attract the tourists. At the same time, though, the state needs to have a vibrant economy, needs to attract businesses and business investment. And I think we've done a good job of walking that line for the past eight to 10 years, and I hope that we'll continue to do that over the next several. Okay, I want the two of you to pretend, all right? On our podcast, we have a chance to envision ourselves the omniscient, benevolent dictator of Arizona. And you would say, hey, there's one or two things that I hope that we can do in the next five to 10 years to really make Arizona even more special. Uh, Who wants to go first as an omniscient, benevolent dictator? I I will jump in if I could, Glenn, because I do want to build on a great point you made. And that is you look at the policies over the course of the last eight years, they've been very successful. Our economy has grown. And I, I will say that This industry in particular, there are some threats on the horizon. You look across the country at policies that are being implemented in cities like Chicago, San Francisco, LA, particularly pertaining to this industry, and they're not yielding good results. So I would encourage our policymakers to really look at other destinations and policies that have been put in place and look at the data, look at the results. And again, this is why I love CSI, because it's it's data driven. It's producing facts to then make better informed decisions on public policy. That's at the core of, of what we need to be doing. I'll give you an example of one thing that that I'm going to just go out there and say uh, organized labor is is a real threat to this industry. And you look at some policies that have put into place, like I mentioned, in several other cities, the, the results have have been quite damaging to the hospitality sectors. One other example would be in L.A. recently, there was an initiative put forth 
to mandate that hotels accept vouchers to house the homeless. Now, we are at the forefront of, as an industry of initiatives to address homelessness. We have a program at the national level called Hospitality for Hope, but mandating that the government extend vouchers, mandating this, this is just something that I, I encourage policymakers to take a closer look at and look at the unintended consequences because it will be very, very um, hard on businesses to to say the least. Yeah, thanks for your insight. Taking the national issues and taking them right down to Arizona, I really appreciate it. Glenn, uh, I would be interested in, uh, if you want to build on what Kim said, or if you'd like to kind of uh, pretend you're that uh, the omniscient uh, benevolent dictator for Arizona and trying to create something for the next 10 years that continues to make it even more special, what would that be? Well, I think uh, to kind of continue in, in Kim's vein, she picked on LA, maybe I'll pick on San Francisco. I think crime and open business <laughs> is no easier way to destroy a natural, you know, sports and tourism uh, mecca than, than to have an epidemic of street crime and open drug use. San Francisco is a beautiful city, many natural and man-made landmarks. It's historically been a great tourism destination and in the last couple of years that's gone away due to the, the epidemic of, of street crimes and drug use. So policymakers need to avoid making the mistakes in Arizona that, that policymakers in San Francisco and California have made that have kind of enabled that. And uh, I think we, we, you may have seen, I certainly saw a recent study uh, and reporting that's coming up about homelessness and crime and drug use problem in central Phoenix. I think policymakers at the state and local level need to respond quickly to address that so it doesn't spread and get out of control and start to affect these industries. Interesting. It's fascinating that uh, you've taken the, the question about the future and said there's no future for destroy today. I really appreciate the way you've turned that question around to you know, what's the real relevant question? And that's the one you just, you answered. I want to thank both of you for the time and uh, the uh, generous uh, responses you gave and the, and the sharing of your you know personal insights, as well as the fact all that you've done for Arizona and all that you've done for a beautiful state that we all appreciate and enjoy. And uh, I must admit, uh, being in Colorado and having all the teams we have up here, uh, you do have a wonderful uh, environment going for you and a great sports uh, venue. And uh, I hope that maybe Colorado can learn from you, not take anything away from you. That's all we're trying to do. But maybe we can just learn from you and, and uh, even enhance our own uh, our own facilities to, to meet some of the, the beauty of what you have in Arizona. Thank you so much for your time in explaining the tourism industry and importance and how you guys have really used it in a way to make Arizona even a more special place. Well, thank you, Earl. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And thank you for providing the opportunity to, to dive deeper into the importance of this sector and the economic impact and all the benefits that it generates. Really appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome. Glenn, it's always great to see you. You as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Arizona, please visit commonsenseinstituteac.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on Podcatchers Everywhere or on our website under the Podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.